0: or it was kind of frowned on that I leave the house. So I stayed in the apartment and I would say it was a very one-sided relationship. He definitely said you are not as important as what I'm doing. You know, my job is more important than anything. Else. If I had looked at his parents' relationship, I would have even had more red flags. He told me I needed to sleep on the floor in a sleeping bag. And he said, you have two weeks to pack the house up. The response was, I run a multi-million dollar business and I don't do, I tell people what to do.
1: I'm Bill Mitchell and this is When Dating Hurts, a podcast dedicated to my daughter Kristen and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and actual survivors themselves. Ruth Phillips is our guest this time on the When Dating Hurts podcast. Her abuse story runs the gamut from expecting everything would go perfectly in the beginning to seeing the weight of the relationship was totally on her before and after she was married. This continued after she and her husband had three boys. Listen to Ruth's experience and you will see a woman who gave this everything she had and was consistently told she had not done enough.
0: Hi, Bill. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Yes,
1: you are very welcome. I know a fair amount about your story, and I think it's great to share it with other people because I think they'll see people they know who have gone through some of the things you've experienced. They may even find they've gone through it themselves. So let's go ahead and say, how did you meet your ex-husband?
0: Bill, I think to your point, you know, i run into so many people. I even have a cousin who is in a really difficult relationship, very isolated, and Um,
1: I mean, this is going on right now?
0: And it's going on now. And, you know, trying to get her help is really difficult um, because of her relationship. And and I know you asked about when and how I met my ex-husband. Yes. I actually met him when I was in college. He was studying at West Point. um, And I was at a small Christian college in Florida, Pensacola Christian College. Okay, I had come home on break. And he happened to be there.
1: Now, home is church. in Pennsylvania. Is that right? Oh,
0: yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And so we met at church. You know, I was easily impressed. I think I was 20 at the time. And, you know, he showed up at church in his dress blues. And um, and I thought, boy, how exciting to be able to have that. Yeah, I bet. Um, you know, <laughs> his mother actually introduced us, who I, I really like. She introduced us, and i I thought, you know, hey, how cool is it to be able to date someone in the sure, military that sure um, has a West Point degree, things of that nature. right. So we're about a month and a half difference in age. I
1: mean, are you next to me? you're going on a date, I guess?
0: Yeah, we dated. We didn't have a lot of time. He was actually, we were both, you know, initially in college. and and then after college, he, was sent to Germany. Um, Oh, okay. So I didn't see him for a number of years. And then I wanna say he came back one Christmas. So we went to like lunch or dinner and a couple movies when we were on break and then we would correspond by mail. Back then it wasn't as common to call people because
2: Yeah, it was long distance and pricey. Exactly. So we
0: didn't call a lot and we both had our own you know, busy lives. So we would correspond through mail. Okay. And then even, you know, I think West Point's a little bit different than most colleges because even in the summer you don't come home necessarily for a summer break. Sure.
1: More training, okay. more this more, and that. Sure. Yeah.
0: So I think he was home for like a week over the summer. And
1: so he guess he what graduates from West Point and then what is his first thing he has to do then? His first assignment, I guess you would call it, is Germany. Is that right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now he's over there. Yeah, you're out of school, I guess. Are you back in Pennsylvania?
0: So I'm back in Pennsylvania. I actually worked at a cancer mm-hmm. hospital outside of Philadelphia. I had kind of moved on at that point. He wasn't around. There were other opportunities to date. Just never really found that right person. But so how
1: did you both come back together?
0: So my mother-in-law had, or my future mother-in-law at the time, said, "You know, Tom's back. Why don't you come over and have dinner with us?" And oh. So I did. You know, she was obviously interested in making this Yeah, work. she's working <laughs> she's
1: working on this matchmaking thing.
0: So I had dinner with them and lots to catch up on and talk sure. about and right. You know, it just seemed very natural. And so he was home at that point for two weeks since it was the holiday break and that was probably the most time we spent together. Like we dated almost every night that I mm-hmm. wasn't working and I was working 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. So, okay. you know, if we if I was working, we would have lunch and you know things of that nature. Okay. Yeah. Then and he went back. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: It's what I love, so I yes. can't, can't change that. So he went back to Germany. At that point, we actually talked on the phone every day. And
1: while he's in Germany,
0: while he's in Germany, you can only imagine the phone bills. Yeah, can. And what I didn't realize back then, I can see now it was my responsibility to pay those bills.
1: Okay. Hmm.
0: He didn't contribute to them. um, Right. Which
1: Hmm. he's because you're dating him. You're not, he's not necessarily dating you, I guess. So it's, Uh, it's uh, on your ticket.
0: Yes, exactly. On your tab. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, that's interesting. And,
0: so. uh, and then in March, he had asked me to come over and visit, love to travel. I can go to Germany. And, and right. w- we had this great plan to go to Austria and Switzerland. And at the time, the wall had just kind of come down. I guess it was maybe five or 10 years prior.
1: It wasn't mm-hmm. that long. Yeah, it came down in 89. So 89. Okay.
0: So this is yeah. 96. So okay. it, it hadn't been that long. And so okay. we actually went to East Germany to just really see the difference between right. the, what was happening in the countries before that wall came down. It was really exciting.
2: Yes, I bet. Um, mm. So,
0: but again, looking back, I paid for my plane ticket over. Right. Um, it wasn't.
1: You didn't split it. Me. No, no, <laughs> no not, not splitting the cost of anything.
0: No, no. So
1: you're over in Germany and what are you doing during the day?
0: So he continued to work. And then during the day, it wasn't really accepted or it was kind of frowned on that I leave the house. So I stayed in the apartment. You mean and... frowned
1: on by him, not like yes. by German custom?
0: No, <laughs> no. Okay. I um I went out one day, got lost, well, That's not good. I think, it, but it was a small town and I felt very safe there. Okay. And it was nice to get out and walk around and sure. you know, have some fresh air. That didn't go over well when he got home from work that I had left the apartment and
1: So you're uh, supposed to be confined to quarters, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Wow.
0: So so basically, but what are you
1: supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're I mean, I don't know. What are you supposed to do while you're there, stuck well, in the apartment?
0: It was pretty obvious that cleaning
1: You were supposed, to clean. supposed to clean Like it. here's a bucket, here's some sponges and And
0: And, uh, and here's, look at all the dust, and I haven't had time to clean, so while you're here, you can take care of that. Um, Here's the laundry room. Here's how to do laundry in Germany, because it was a little bit different than the machines we have here. And here's the refrigerator, and you can cook. So all of those nurturing behaviors that mothers are supposed to take on. Right, yeah. (laughs) Not girlfriends.
1: No, no, no. Mm. (laughs) Oh, that must have been strange. I mean, when this is going on at that time, are you thinking, I guess I should say, what are you thinking?
0: Yeah. And I think I was just, I was enamored by the idea of dating an officer. Growing up, the expectation of my mother's expectation of me was that I, you know, was to sit and be quiet and be seen and not heard. To show love, you did things for other people, whether it was cleaning or cooking Cooking a lot. You know, that was my family. If you love someone, you cook them something. Sure. And and I have to tell you, I'm probably the worst cook ever. Oh. Um, so that did not <laughs> that did not translate. <laughs> I, I don't like to cook. And maybe it's some of that. <laughs> I guess I thought that was the expectation.
1: Okay, so you're in Germany and this is going on. And eventually, I guess you leave and come back to Pennsylvania or someplace over here. Yep.
0: So we, I was over there for two weeks, okay. came back, and then he flew over in May for Memorial Day weekend. Okay, a couple um, months and, after. Yeah, okay. home for a very short period of time right. and asked me to marry him. Oh, um, here we
1: are. Okay, My
0: mother was overjoyed. My father was very quiet about it, but, you know, let me make my own decisions.
1: Why do you um, think he was quiet? I mean, was he just being respectful and it's none of my business, or do you think he had some vibes about Tom.
0: At the time, I just thought my father didn't know him well enough because
1: mm-hmm. my
0: father was very quiet and didn't really cross boundaries. Like if Tom and I were talking, my father didn't just join the conversation like my mother would insert herself into the conversation. Oh, okay. Uh, my father would wait to be spoken to. Oh. And so he was he was much more not involved, I would say. Okay. Uh, watching from a, from a distance. I think years later, I could see what he saw, but he never spoke up about But he was processing
1: things. everything. He was taking it all in.
0: That's correct. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So it's May and let's get married. When do you get married?
0: So we get married in November. Um, okay. And at that point, we had actually been in each other's presence a total of 13 weeks. And so now I'm like, wow, what was I thinking to quote unquote date somebody for 13 weeks where you're actually spending time with them? Yeah, we talked on the phone, wrote letters, things like that. But is that the same as being with someone? Can you know someone in 13 weeks time? And I am very, probably too much so overprotective of my children as a result. And when they want to date someone, I'm like... It's got to be longer than 13 weeks before you even start talking to me <laughs> about marriage. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, um
1: so you're dating for the 13 weeks, Did the 13 weeks end with getting married. Is that what mm-hmm. that is when you said yep. that? Okay. And so during the 13 weeks, what are you seeing at times that maybe makes you feel uncomfortable?
0: To say that it made me feel uncomfortable, I don't know because I was so naive. But I was definitely I would say it was a very one sided relationship. I was always doing. And it's really hard to think about because I don't know that I knew at that time what emotional abuse was. Now I do. So it's easy to say that's what was happening. If he wasn't happy with something, you know, I wasn't willing to spend more money to fly over to Germany, then, you know, he wouldn't talk to me for two or three
1: days. Okay, if. that would be kind of your punishment, so to speak.
0: Yes, exactly. So
1: he was kind of a, the in the world of rewards, maybe and punishments based upon how you would comply with. Yes,
0: very much so. Whatever he very. wanted, and and that was true all through our marriage. If he was not happy with the way I cooked or the way I cleaned or something I did with the children, there would be a punishment, and not a physical punishment typically, but more of a verbal. Your you're not doing. I'm trying to think of some of the good things. You know, I can remember your job is not as important as mine was a big one. And I mean,
1: that's close to a quote. Would you say
0: that's a, that is a quote?
1: Right. Did he <laughs> yes. ever say your life is not as important as mine, or just?
0: I don't know if he ever said my life. Right. He he definitely said you are not as important as what I'm doing. You know, my job is more important than anything that you could. Um,
1: even though you're working with cancer patients and things.
0: Right. Yeah, that's or ironic. We're taking care of the kids.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, that is. Yeah. My goodness. So, yep. um, but so, okay. So we, we've we managed to march our way all the way to the aisle, so to speak. And so right. what can you tell me about the wedding day, for instance?
0: You know, the wedding day, I think. Um,
1: and this, I guess, is at West Point now, right? We've got the pomp is, and pageantry, I guess, at yes. West Point. Yes.
0: That's correct, right. yeah, I was so excited. That's it was cool. like Cinderella's yeah. wedding, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it really was, and yet, at the same time, I couldn't stop crying. Oh. Um, I can remember going to the church with my father and just bawling because i was I didn't want to go forward i There was something that was scaring me, something mm-hmm. that felt uncomfortable, and I didn't know what it was, and yeah. And he was supportive, but at the same time, he felt like, you know, I can remember him saying, are you sure this isn't just nerves and jitters because you're you're having to, you know, get married? Sure,
1: your life's going to change 100% practically.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's big. And, and then all the money that was spent, a large majority of that was on my family. It's kind of funny because the mother-in-law, uh, as much as I initially really liked her, and she's the one that set us up. When it came time and we got engaged, her response was, we're not paying for anything. Here's the rule book on how weddings are supposed to be carried out, Uh, and the groom's parents only pay for flowers, period. But she handed me a list of 150 people to invite to the wedding.
1: Just from their side.
0: (laughs) Just from their side.
1: Yeah, that's nice.
0: And that didn't include any of Tom's friends, so <laughs> you can see that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And
1: yeah, I, it's becoming clear.
0: And I think if I had looked at his parents' relationship, right. I would have even had more red flags than I sh- or I should have had more red flags than I did. So you know, my father, very practical man, encouraged me to move ahead. That it was it was going to be okay. He would always be there, and if things were difficult, so moved ahead. Even the the night before the wedding at the rehearsal dinner. What a mess. What a mess. Really?
1: What's going on? Maybe
0: that's what I was thinking on my wedding day. I don't know. He had just gotten back from Germany. I think he had been back in the States less than 24 hours. So I hadn't really seen him Mm. and didn't, he didn't have time for me. He spent time with his friends. He really didn't even talk to me the night of the rehearsal dinner. And then we had to get to the church and we were staying off campus and had to get to West Point and to the church on the West Point campus. Left us, left my family. This is,
1: we're still at the rehearsal. Okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. And back then we didn't have GPS.
1: No, 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 no.
0: You know, we didn't have phones even.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's right. You didn't have cell phones. So yeah, it's like, where is the church?
0: Right. We had maps that we were pulling out and it was pitch black because it was in the evening after the rehearsal. Right. It's November. It's dark. It took us a little while to get to the church. And when we... Did the the pastor chastised us for being late yeah. and reminded us that this was not acceptable and that we needed to be on time for the actual day of the wedding? Fortunately, I had a limousine driver on that day. Oh, good! <laughs> because well, he knew where he was going and it was sunny.
1: Plus, you were paying for him, so
0: yes, exactly, makes a difference. So,
1: so now we are on the wedding day, and
0: I would say the wedding day was hard. You know it. I couldn't get out of it. I had to the march forward. on through, right? Right. But I knew something wasn't right. And I, I couldn't have put my finger on what it was at that point to be able to say, this is why I don't want to get married. And so I chalked it up to nerves. I didn't know what else to do.
1: Did you think at times that once we get established, you know, we have rings on our fingers, we have a somewhat permanent place to live that we can start to work on this and and make this better, make it more comfortable?
0: I guess I thought that when you get married, you are supposed to give and do for someone that you love without concern for yourself. And I think I expected that he would just start doing those things because that was the expectation. I don't know that I was able to really say at that time, he's not giving me what I need. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm still in my crazy mind thinking, here I am getting older, I need to get married, I can make this work no matter what.
1: So you thought that really that you could somehow mold this into something that could be passable, let's call it.
0: I know. And I don't, I, know. I don't think I was thinking I mean, that way. I, I mean telling I, I really this... don't. I think I was just so naive right. and so I mean it
1: sounds like you're just trying to live through the next minute and the next five minutes and the next hour.
0: It's sad because when I look back on the and we were married twenty one years. You know, it's funny, my my one uncle, um my father had five siblings and they wow. have been such a blessing to me. Uh, Uh, That's great. I went through the divorce. They kind of came and rallied around and my father had passed away. My one uncle said, you lost 250 pounds overnight. I am so impressed with (laughs) you. Yeah, he's right. (laughs) He was big. He was not necessarily tall, 5'11". And usually between 200 and 250 was about where he was. He would, yeah, he was not little. And strong, definitely could have easily yeah, overtaken me. Um, there were times when I felt frightened, but fortunately never got really hurt, I would say.
1: So, okay, you are now officially man and wife. He's in the Army now, right? So he's in the That's Army. Right. You're working as a nurse.
0: We moved from Pennsylvania right to Kentucky. We were in Kentucky, I think. For a week, and I asked for an annulment. Oh, um, really? It was, yeah, it was. Wait a minute! Week.
1: Wait a minute! Wait a minute! How much? How long have you been married? And you're asking for an annulment?
0: Uh, maybe six weeks, eight weeks.
1: So you're in Kentucky. You've been married six weeks, and you say ask for an annulment. You asked him, or you asked who?
0: I asked him. I, he actually had sent me to this meeting of Army wives and. It was all about how you should be subservient to your husband. You know,
2: they said
0: I should give up my nursing career. And I was devastated because I love being a nurse. I absolutely love it. It is. There's nothing better in the world for me. I bet. Sure. And I came home from that meeting and crawled in bed, cried until he got home from work that afternoon. And I said, I can't do this. I, You know, you didn't tell me this is what was the expectation. And I'm not giving up my career. I don't want to give up my career. We haven't been married that long. Let's just get an annulment. Make just it easy. Just call this thing off. And call this thing off. Let me go home. Wow. And he talked me out of it.
1: And now what is what is he saying? He's talking. He, he says, uh, you know, let's not do that. But is he giving reasons?
0: I don't know that he really gave any good reasons other than I'll be able to, to work around it. I'll make sure that you can work. And, so
1: he's you know. telling you kind of what you need to hear. Yeah. And okay. so you're thinking, well, okay, you know, take a take a breath of air
0: mm-hmm.
1: and let's soldier on, I guess. Right.
0: <laughs> and very good terminology there. Yes, exactly. Yes.
1: Soldier on would be the yeah. right words for this You
0: know, one. and I think he kept saying, you know, I love you. And I didn't hear that often. So that was you know, a breakthrough right there in that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So you're going to stay with the program. The annulment goes to the side. Does he leave the Army? Does he stay with the Army? What, What does he do? And where do you move to next? What do you do?
0: From Kentucky, I get sent to Texas, and he goes to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas for, I think, six or eight weeks. I wasn't allowed to go to Fort Leavenworth, which I found out later I could have, but I found that out through the wives.
1: You said um, you were sent to Texas. What does yeah. that mean, sent to Texas? So
0: he, after Fort Leavenworth, he was going to be stationed in Texas. Oh, so, so you're, the ad, you're the in, advance. advance. Yes, <laughs> the you're advance gonna, party.
1: You're going to make the nest, and he's going to Fort Leavenworth?
0: That's correct. So okay. my job was to get the house together Okay, and make it ready for him. Right. Um, and what I didn't know is there were just so many things that he didn't share we had rented a home. I was waiting for the, the movers to come with our furniture. So he told me I needed to sleep on the floor in a sleeping bag until the movers got there. And so there were like two or three nights from the time I arrived at Fort Hood to when the movers showed up. The first night, fleas. Oh, fleas. Um,
1: I was wondering if some varmint was going to come and, and be your bed pal. And I, I thought my maybe you'd go to rats, but fleas—that's pretty bad, and they're biting you all over the place.
0: Yes, and I had an Airedale Terrier, a big dog. Thank God for him; he was my protector. Good, um, but he got eaten up. Ended up on antibiotics and everything. I had to sneak him into a hotel room because I couldn't, I couldn't sleep in that anymore. Oh. And here again, I find out after the fact from Army wives that. There's hotels on post that accept animals that should have been made. You know, the arrangement arrangement could have been made earlier. Right. For me to stay there and avoid all of that. Uh. You know, I think it was almost, and how do I say this, but looking back when I would face challenges, he would find humor in that.
1: Oh, that's not very nice.
0: no. (laughs) Right. Mm. Mm. um, And he would set me up for those challenges because I was in it, like situations. watching you squirm. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think he knew about the hotels that Absolutely. were on at the fort or the base or whatever mm-hmm. you call it? Absolutely. But it's like, uh, you know, let you go. Let to me the...
0: tell you, he never slept on a floor ever.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I could make that leap. Yeah. I like I, yeah. I would imagine that.
2: Yeah, um, so fact, he he
1: was pretty good at knowing things and not sharing things. Correct. And so you could kind of go the, you would have kind of the Spartan existence, mm-hmm. which he would never put up with personally. Right. So eventually he gets finished with Leavenworth. Heads to Texas. He comes to Texas. Texas. Now it's you, he, yep. and your Airedale.
0: Yep. And then I get pregnant with my first son.
1: Okay. All right.
0: And about six months after... I get pregnant. He decides to leave the Army and move to upstate New York with General Electric.
1: Okay. Hmm.
0: Same kind of situation. Now, did I you
1: know started. he was looking for a job with them? No. No.
0: <laughs> it was kind of a last minute thing where I got the I've decided to leave the military. I don't think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. GE has offered me a position, and it maybe wasn't the same day, but very close in time that he decided that we were moving to New York, upstate New York.
2: Okay, wow.
0: And I was sort of okay with that because at least it was closer to my parents. My parents would drive out to Texas to spend a couple weeks with me every couple of months just because I was by myself most of the time. And um, he couldn't even, you know, there's so many things I could tell you, Bill. It is so amazing looking back that I was not, more forthright and being like, no way, this has to end. I wanted a small property close to the base that, you know, when he was away I could maintain, couldn't Mm -hmm. have that. We had to have a house out far in the country, probably about 30 to 40 minutes from the base. And it had an acre land. So when he was away, that was a lot for me to take care of. Not so much before I had my first son, but it was still a lot to take care of. Beautiful. Don't get me wrong, great neighbors.
1: did you did De- you actually neighbors. buy that place?
0: We did end up buying that place and then you know had to maintain it so that we could sell it when we moved to New York and just like when we got to to Texas, we went to New York, picked out a house, and I got to be kind of that advanced party again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know he would stay in a hotel and go to work, and my mom and my dad helped us clean. So it was just three of us cleaning all day Mm -hmm. and, you know, watching my oldest son, who was only, you know, crawling at the time. And um, he came in after work, kind of wiped his finger across the the chair railing and said, you missed the spot. There's dust still here. We were like exhausted because we had been working all day. Yeah, that's work. Sure. He's turned around after that and said, I'm going to a baseball game in New York City. Ah. Uh, which was about two and a half hours away. Go go see the Yankees. Go to see the Yankees. That's right. Yeah. And out the door he went. And I think that was the first time I ever saw my father mad.
1: Ah, oh, it's time for
2: that.
0: Um, yeah. That's the first time I ever heard him voice concern over the marriage.
1: Do you remember um, how he put it?
0: He, again, I've never heard him say this uh, before. He said, it's a good thing he left because I would have punched him if he didn't. Oh, um, He was furious. And he, Go dad. He felt that that was incredibly disrespectful. I think he said, I don't know who he thinks put him on such a high horse. Um, but that's <laughs> that is exactly about the kindest <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> As I said, my dad was.
1: He was a gentleman.
0: He really was. He was yeah. a good man. He and was. <laughs> he um very kind, very loving, and, you know, always there to talk to. And I thought that's what I was marrying. I don't know what I was thinking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you didn't didn't get the dad replica on this one. No,
0: I wish I did.
1: If we could just step back to Texas for a minute. But didn't you tell me that your in-laws showed up at one point for a while? And
0: yeah, so while we were in Texas, My in laws decided to come visit. It was actually, I believe it was Fourth of July weekend for some reason. That sticks in my head, or it might have been Memorial Day. Okay. Tom had actually been um, out in the field, they call it, doing training and exercises for two weeks. He got in on uh, like that Thursday. They decided to fly in on Friday. I had asked them not to do so because I didn't even have time to like wash his laundry, being gone mm. for two weeks, and it comes back all muddy and nasty. Oh, and yeah. they decided to fly into Dallas, which was, again, two and a half hours north of us. Oh. So we headed up to Dallas so that we could get them at the airport. They wanted to stay in, in Dallas. And I said, don't even do that because nothing in Texas is open on Sunday. So it's a holiday weekend. It's a Sunday that you're talking about. There's not going to be anything to do. Just wait. Give us like a week and everything will be what you want. Couldn't do that. No. So they fly in. We pick them up. We drive all over Dallas. And of course, nothing was open. So they were not happy. And we end up driving back. And when we get back to the house, The brother who had flown in with them turned to Tom and said, I need you to get my ticket back home. I'm like, what do you mean get your ticket? Here, he had purchased a one-way ticket to Dallas, anticipating, expecting that we would pay for his ticket home.
1: How how Um, old is this guy asking such a question? If he was 14, I'd understand.
0: No. Well, then you would think the parents would have paid for the ticket, right?
1: I would understand that too. (laughs) Yes.
0: So he was 25, 26.
1: Yeah. Old enough um, to know better.
0: Old enough to know better. And so he's got his hand enough.
1: out and is like, okay, uh, I got to get a ticket. So uh,
0: mm-hmm. um, so I walked out. I was like, I can't.
1: He's your problem.
0: He's your problem. I, we don't have the money to do that. Figure it out. My understanding is that the father took care of the ticket back.
2: Oh, breakthrough. Um, right. <laughs> Yeah.
0: especially because after we get that resolved the father says we're going to take your car for the week because we want to go you know drive around i hadn't taken off work i was you know still expected to be at work so i needed my car to get back and forth to work sure um and why they had to take my car and not his but that's what they said, and I was like, "Oh no, I need my car. I have to get back and forth to work, and so forth." And I, I said, "You, sh- why didn't you get a rental car?" And <laughs> so then they <laughs> decided, "Okay, we'll get a rental car," but they couldn't get it in the local area. They had to go at two and a half hours south to uh, Austin uh, to get the rental car because it was cheaper.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that makes sense.
0: Two days later, they left to do their sightseeing. They get back late. It was like seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock. I had expected them for dinner between 6 and 6.30, had made this huge meal, Aww. ended up inviting my neighbors over to join in because they didn't call, didn't let us know they weren't returning, all of that. And on the days that they were there having dinner with us, I would still be eating and they'd be like, where's dessert? Like, <laughs> hello, <laughs> we haven't cleared the table. kitchen." You- a minute let, yeah. me, let me just have a bite of food it was very much my role was the maid and it wasn't just for my husband it was for his family
1: yes yeah they all they all figured uh, they, they had you cast in a certain position and all you had to do was do everything yes <laughs> to get a copy of the when dating hurts book go to amazon you can get it in paperback or ebook this memoir details the events leading up to our daughter's tragedy but also tells you what you can do to prevent something similar from happening in your home. Dating violence is quite prevalent. It is an equal opportunity issue in today's world, so it can occur in any neighborhood, anywhere. Learn all you can about dating violence. A good place to start is the When Dating Hurts book. It's a small investment that can make a very big difference. If you want to learn more or reach us, head to whendatinghurts.com. Thank you. I recollect another time you and I spoke, you're in upstate New York and the phone rings and he takes it in the other room. Yeah,
0: we were actually sitting at the dinner table and at this point I had two children. I had uh, my oldest who was just about two years old and then my youngest was about three months old and he was really sick. So I was having to spend extra time with him and then trying Uh, to get the two-year-old fed. The phone rang while we were sitting at dinner. He got up, walked out, and when he came back in, he said, you have two weeks to pack the house up. We're moving to Chicago.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think like anybody in their right mind, I was upset. And I confronted him and said, what do you mean we're moving to Chicago? We never talked about moving to Chicago. Right. When did this come up? How did this come up?
1: Now, this is moving because of his job with General Electric, I guess. That's
0: correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. He said, I made the decision and walked out. There were not to be any questions asked, apparently, uh, because right. he left.
1: That's what I um, take away.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was left there with the two boys trying to figure out how we were going to make this happen. He left shortly after and went to Chicago. I don't even know if he was home a week to help me pack. Mm. I don't think he did at all. When we identified a home in Chicago that we would move to. So I was back in New York packing everything up. The movers came getting that all together. And then again, had to be kind of that advanced party on the other end in Chicago. Unfortunately, at this point, my father had passed away. Uh, So I didn't have his support.
2: Yeah,
1: that's that's hard. Sorry about that.
0: He passed right before my second son was born. Wow. And um, mm. my mom helps me get the boys and the dog to Chicago. It was expected that I work. So I had looked at a daycare cause I didn't know what to do with the boys. My youngest was so sick. I was having to take him back and forth to children's hospitals, both in New York and in Chicago. We got an all pair. And I'll never forget I think she was with us maybe a month, and she didn't speak super good English, but she says, why do you stay married to him? He's awful.
1: (laughs) Yes, she's had the insight.
0: (laughs) Yeah, And, and I just was like, whoa. And I think Chicago was the tipping point because he would come in from work, the boys would be at his ankles, essentially screaming to get hugs and kisses and hello, and he would push them aside. And walk in his office, not say hello, nothing else, and lock the door and keep himself in his office until after I had gotten the kids to bed.
1: Oh my, really?
0: So very cold to the boys, which hurt me probably just as much, I if not more than it hurt the boys. But that was how he behaved toward the kids. And at one point I said, you know what, we need counseling because this can't continue. You're not helping around the house. You're not even associating with the boys. You can't even say hello to them when they come in. This is hurtful. And so he agreed to go to counseling. And I, like I said, I think Chicago was the tipping point because that counselor asked him a few questions about why he didn't feel he needed to help around the house. And his response was I run a multi million dollar business and I don't do. I tell people what to do.
1: Oh, uh, that's that's pretty, that's a pretty strong statement, but that's a very accurate statement from everything you've said.
0: Yes, very much so. Right, and that's it. it. Yeah, it was very honest of them. Right, right, painfully, right, painfully <laughs> honest. Uh, so the counselor turned to me and said, you need to get a divorce now.
1: And th- uh, was this the first time in there?
0: That was the first time. The
1: one and only, I bet. I was
0: just going to say the first and the last because he grabbed my wrist and pulled me out of there and said, "We will never come back." That was early in our time in Chicago, and we were only there for twenty-four months. Toward the end of the time we were in Chicago, he actually got called up with the Vermont National Guard to go to Iraq. Um, So you
1: hadn't, you have not mentioned Vermont, and you have not mentioned. I imagine, the Army National Guard. Would that be right?
0: That's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So yes. he what, has this somehow, I don't know, secret arrangement with the Guard <laughs> or something like that? You don't know you might about call it.
0: it. You might but, call it that. When we were in New York, yes. he did work with the National Guard. He had joined the National Guard oh. uh, when he left active duty okay. he signed up for the national guard okay i was told when we left new york that he had been discharged from the national guard
2: oh and, and he had that, not.
0: and apparently he had not the day that i found out about all of this my mother was actually visiting we were out back <laughs> and i hear this screaming like Blood curdling, screaming, calling my name. Get in here right now! And I was like, "What?" You know, I thought like,
2: "Yeah, places on fire, burning down." Sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: What <laughs> so else would you think? Of course. Exactly. So I came in the house, and he's sitting at his desk. And I stopped at the door to the office, and he's pointing at his computer, saying, "Read this right now!" And mm. I'm like. I can't even get close to it because I wasn't going near him to even be able to see what was on the computer. And I said, I can't read it. Tell me what it says. So he finally said, you know, that they were sending him to Iraq and I needed to get him out of going. Ah. And of
1: course- Like a hardship thing or- uh, You know- I don't know. I mean, you're supposed to write some letter to some general someplace and say- (laughs) It's almost like uh, getting your kid out of a class in school or something like that. You're going to get permission.
0: I, I don't even know if it would have been that easy, but I didn't know what I needed to do. And I sure. said I said to him, I said, me, get you out of this? I didn't even know you were in the National Guard still. You told me that you had been discharged. Sure. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Right. And he of course, proceeded to tell me, you need to write a letter to this senator and that congressman, ah, I see. And so forth and so on, which I ignored and walked out because I thought, serves them right.
1: Yeah, I, yeah I, you, I, you signed up for this. so.
0: And I think in a way, that was my chance to escape.
1: Yeah, like I've been looking for that somewhere in all of this because an escape plan has to start You you, you've had these brushes with getting out of this, with the annulment and maybe some other cracks in the wall that you thought you could shimmy through or something like that. But you know, he's going to have to pack up and go to Iraq. And now you have some breathing room and time.
0: Mm -hmm. And I can begin to figure out what I need to do. Right. And and who knows, he may not even come back. Well, Um, look,
1: you know, guys like this, if there's something classic or typical, guys like this There's not only emotional abuse and sometimes physical abuse, but also financial abuse. And I'm going to guess that that was part of the part of what you signed up for with this guy, too, that this guy had somehow a good grip on your nurse money, his money from, I guess, General Electric, maybe the guard money, whatever else he's got. So how's all that working? Yeah,
0: Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And that was very much present while we were dating. I mean, when you think of the fact that I had to pay for the phone. Right. There you go. Yeah, That's a good ticket. example.
1: Yeah. So um, in a way you can see it coming.
0: Always there. You know, yeah. I can even, and I didn't even say this before, but when we were in Texas, his car was getting old. So his parents said that I should take his old car and he should get a new car.
1: Right. Sure. Of course. The, yeah. the important person. That's right. right.
0: The important person should have it. So we had joint accounts. You know, again, I thought that that was normal for marriage, that when you got married, you you put everything into one account. There were times, even before we got to Chicago, when I would go grocery shopping and there would be no money left in the account. That never really changed. He would spend money. I would find video games hiding throughout the house. And they weren't cheap.
1: He had no, they multiple weren't Multiple
0: gaming uh, systems. Sure.
1: Yeah, all that cost a lot. It's hundreds mm-hmm. hundreds.
0: So, you know, I didn't have my own money. I didn't have any savings. And I didn't really, I hadn't really put a plan together before he got called up to Iraq. When he got sent to Iraq, it gave me the time, like you said, to mm-hmm. develop that plan to say, hey, you know what, I can take all the cash that I'm given for birthday presents or holiday presents. And I started telling people, just give me cash because I could hide that cash. Okay. I would take the change from lunches, and I know quarters and nickels don't seem like much, but they do add up over time. Right. And, yeah. And yeah. A lot me, of time. Yeah, still, it took me a lot of time.
1: So you have a bank account at some little SNL down the street, or whatever it is. That's some correct. Community just a little something.
0: Account at the yeah. little right. little bank down Ma the street. Monpa
1: Bank down mm-hmm. the street
0: you know, had to hide that money that I could, you know, drop off when I was on my way to work or on my way home from work. He didn't want to tell his parents that he was sent, being sent to Iraq. So New Year's Eve, the year that he well, left. Well, wait a minute.
1: He didn't want to tell them, but but they're going to say, where's Tom?
0: Right. Exactly. Now, they weren't very, they didn't associate with us very much. They didn't come to visit. I think in the 21 years we were married, they came to visit us three times. 84 they never came to chicago they may have come to new york once and they were in in texas once so i picked up the phone and called them and i said your son has something that he needs to tell you (laughs) and i handed Handed the the phone phone over (laughs) well that that unfortunately created a storm of phone calls to me. How dare he not call us? How dare he not tell us? Does he not realize his father could have had a heart attack when the MPs show up at their door? And I was kind of jokingly saying, they won't show up at your door. They'll show up at mine because I'm next of kin with their son. They forget that I'm in the picture. Um Do
1: you mean do you mean the MPs will show up to give the bad news if there is bad if news? If there is
0: bad news. Exactly. Oh,
1: I see. Okay. And that was
0: all they were focused on. Oh.
1: Yeah, I don't think they send the MPs anyway, but okay, that's what well, threw me.
0: <laughs> that that was They don't
1: they'll don't send the police. They have someone else. Military
0: police. Military. Uh yeah, I'm not even sure. Yeah. Who who won this? But anyway,
1: path. I think that's interesting. Yeah. You know.
0: Um so he okay. leaves and I Choose to sell the house in Chicago and move back home to Pennsylvania.
1: So, when somebody goes off to war, doesn't don't things like power of attorney kick in, or isn't there some of that?
0: Fortunately, the guard requires you to have all of that in place. So okay. I had a power of attorney. I had, you know, a will. All of those things had to be in place before right. well, he could leave. Which that's was, good a really good thing. (laughs) Very good.
1: Yeah. That's a breakthrough.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Mm. I sold the house in Chicago and I moved back to Pennsylvania and I bought a townhome and I'm so thankful that I did because I think in my heart, I also wanted him not to come home. I wanted those quote unquote MPs to show up at my door because it was an easy escape. Um, I mean, that's a,
1: that's a dramatic thing to say. I mean, that's, I mean, you're looking at it like if, uh, you know, people go off to war and things happen. And I guess you'd reached the point in your mind after all this time and all you'd been through that if if things go a certain way.
0: Yeah, I'm off the hook.
1: Um, you're right? um, you're not married anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and it was the beginning of the plan. You know, it was the yes. first steps. I, I had started that savings account so that I could make progress, but I knew a divorce was going to be brutal just because that's his personality. Right. It's
1: going to make it tough. Yeah.
0: yeah, He's got to be in control. He's got to win everything. He's going to, he wants to see me suffer. Right. Even though it's not physical suffering, he wants to see me emotionally suffering.
1: Right. Sure. Um, Of course. Yeah.
0: It was an easy out if he didn't come home. And, you know, do I feel guilty about that? Of course I feel guilty. That's the situation that I was in. That's the right. state of mind I right. was,
1: was in. It was out of your hands at that point. If mm-hmm. it happened, it wasn't because you did something. Yeah,
0: I couldn't have willed it to happen, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> Every day, those experiencing domestic or intimate partner abuse are now documenting their experiences, but the law is very specific and what is relevant to the survivor is not the same as what the courts allow as evidence. Victim's Voice, which is all one word with no punctuation, Victim's Voice helps capture the details of each incident in a way that meets the very specific and confusing requirements because legally admissible documentation really doesn't matter until it does. Victim's Voice, giving victims a legal voice. If you cannot afford a license, Victim's Voice partners can provide one for you at no cost. Find partner members and more information on the web at VictimsVoice.app. And you can also find them on social using at VictimsVoice app. When Dating Hurts urges anyone who is currently in an abusive relationship to get the Victims Voice app. Thank you.
0: So he comes home. He was gone for 18 months. The hard part was that he didn't want to come home. He had two opportunities to come home. One of them, he came home for a very short period of time. And the other, he deferred and chose not to come home at all. Now, I had two small kids. I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. You would think if nothing else, he'd want to come home for his children. Sure. And I think that reinforced in my mind and in my heart how little we meant to him and how getting out was important. Here again, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't have my father anymore, and I, but I didn't have that. My mother was dealing with her own things and trying to, to manage. And so she wasn't necessarily emotionally supportive or even could figure out what to do to help. So I stayed and continued to save because I knew it would take a lot of money, you know, and would hide money mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. on the
0: side. And then my third son was born. Oh, I got, I actually had, so um,
1: that kind of affects your escape plan quite a lot, right?
0: Yeah. You know, I had thought that I could get my older two boys to 18 or 20, get them in college, and then I could disappear. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to like, go through a a miserable, ugly divorce. I could, I could just disappear. Right. Because I'd have this nice egg in the the savings account that I could draw on. Right. I didn't have to to fight. And I got pregnant after a number of medical conditions. One, I had fallen through the deck because he didn't complete the deck properly and I broke my wrist.
2: So you were
1: outside of the back of the house and you felt it. And something collapsed and you did a fall. Yeah. Were you And you were pregnant when this happened?
0: So that was right before I got pregnant. Oh, and, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. And then I got pregnant a few months later. And it was a really crazy time. One, mm. I was so upset because I didn't want to be pregnant because that added 20 years to my escape plan.
2: Yes. And oh. um,
0: not only did I have this broken wrist that had healed at this point, but I had a blood clot in my ovarian vein, which is really rare. Um, And so I had to be on blood thinners, okay. both during the time I had my broken wrist and during the whole entire pregnancy. So I felt like I was never going to get off these blood thinners Um, and they weren't pills that you could take. It was a shot that you had to give yourself and it wasn't very pleasant. I struggled giving them to myself, even as a nurse. So I had to see a high risk physician. I was older. You know, if they told me one more time. You're of advanced maternal age. I thought I was going to scream, but (laughs) here I am pregnant with a, and now I have a nine year old and who I love. He was my impetus to get out because I was beginning to see my older boys behave like my ex-husband, like Tom.
1: Do you think it's from the time that they're around him?
0: Correct. I, I think.
1: Like dad does it. So I do it.
0: And they were the things that they would say to me. You know, I'd say, okay, it's time to clean up your room, pick up your things. Dad doesn't clean up his room. Why should we? Dad doesn't right. do this. There why should we? Or they would say, that's woman's work.
1: Oh, that's wonderful to hear that.
0: Yeah. Let me tell you how many times I've almost.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I would, <laughs> do the, the same scream. thing. Sure.
0: Even after the divorce, I heard a lot of that i'm so thankful for laurel house because when i met the counselors at laurel house they taught me how to set up those boundaries that i needed that i didn't have with my marriage and because i didn't feel like i could have those boundaries
1: okay so so and i
0: needed to set so them give them me if sons. you can give
1: me an example of what a boundary mm-hmm. would be like what's okay and what's not okay and it's not okay when you say things like that i mean i think
0: that's a really good example you know After the divorce, the older boys would come back, and the middle one especially. And and I understand he had a hard time with the whole concept of divorce. Both of them did, but he would be verbally abusive. He would call me stupid. He would tell me I'm no good. Everything was Mm -hmm. my fault. And again, these were things I heard my entire marriage. It wasn't. It wasn't new. But it was coming from a different person now. But now it was coming from
1: right. That's got to really be painful. That's right. So sorry about that.
0: The first 24, 48 hours were hard, so I would sure. be in tears. And so they taught me, if you're going to be in this house, you cannot behave like that. You have to respect me. And we had conversations. They even actually took him and counseled him for me, which was And it did helpful. help, you feel? It did to a degree. Now, Tom was not happy with him getting counseling, so it didn't last long, very short-lived, when he found out about it. I'm sure there were consequences Mm -hmm. over there, but it was something. I'm not saying he's completely. Fixed. I don't even know if mm-hmm. that's the right mm-hmm. terminology. Full improvement,
1: something like that. Uh,
0: there, yeah, there are still. You know, he came home from college over the summer, and it was, and we had to start all over, and to the point where I had to have my neighbor come and escort him to his car so he could go to his father's and stay at his father's until he could calm mm-hmm. down and and mm-hmm. be reasonable. Forget respectful. I just wanted reasonable at that point. But there were lots of other things. I still didn't understand what I was dealing with when I got divorced. I just knew I had to get out. Crazy story, truly crazy. And And I really believe, you know, I told you I went to a very strict Christian college. I grew up as a conservative Christian. I couldn't even attend church because I was so insecure and so isolated after the divorce. And God just put people in my life. I was, my company was based in Boston. So I went to Boston and we were having dinner as a group. And a waiter actually walked up and said, "Are you okay? Why? I thought I looked okay. I thought I was doing okay." And he said, "I think you need counseling. I don't know what's going on, but I think you need counseling." I didn't know where to begin. But I mean, um, you, I didn't know what you to must have said. Something
1: for. besides giving your what your food order would be.
0: And I don't know if it was, I certainly didn't say anything to him. I think maybe conversation with those around okay. me. So
1: he maybe picked up on some of that and maybe just your general appearance or something like this. And
0: Yeah. And I didn't think I looked that bad, but he was, you know, I, I think he was a psychology major oh, okay. or something like that. Right. So well, <laughs> I didn't really get into the details, yeah. but <laughs> I think I was too shocked. So I came But it stuck in your mind then. It stuck in my mind. Yeah. And... I came across this book called Healing from Hidden Abuse. And I didn't know that I had been abused. You know, I always think of abuse as being black eyes yes. and, you know, broken sure. bones. And so I started reading that book. And Bill, I, I think I cried for a good week as I was reading that book. It was just so real. And I saw the things that had been done to me that I didn't recognize. For the first time. And I think one of the things you had said about abuse can be like snowflakes. You know, there's little things that we see, and, and then the individual snowflake is so beautiful. Right. right? And you don't and, see,
1: you couldn't see the harm in the snowflake.
0: Exactly. But when you look back and you see the whole mountain of snow right. or the whole right. mountain of what had happened, it's overwhelming. And I didn't know what to do. And that's when I ended up going to Laurel House because I knew that the healing that I needed couldn't take place without talking to somebody Mm -hmm. and getting help because I didn't know what to do. You know, the book itself talks about flying monkeys. a Great story. Um, (laughs) My oldest was graduating from high school and he had to provide a senior speech. Here I am, the proud mom sitting in the front row videotaping the whole senior speech. In the middle of it, he says, my dad did everything possible to make my mom happy, and she's still divorced. Oh, me. Oh. She ruined my life.
1: Oh, and you're and, videotaping, and your mind is racing.
0: And I didn't know what to and, do. And is your, I couldn't believe that's what I heard. And, it, and your <laughs>
1: husband's in the room, maybe watching this.
0: He was uh, sitting a few rows back because this was after our divorce. It was shortly after the divorce. My mom was sitting next to me, and she she said, "Did you hear that?" Oh. And, and and it's kind of funny because when you look back on the video, you hear her say, "Did you hear oh, that?" Oh man! And all I say is, "Uh huh." That
1: is so bad
0: because I didn't know what to do. That is so I bad. You keep shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Because I wanted, I wanted to have my son see his <sighs> speech. It, it was. That's, it, I guess, really mortification
1: crazy. is one would be one of mm-hmm.
0: them.
1: I mean, yeah. you just would want to crawl out of the room.
0: Yeah. I did. I you know, and I just thought how could somebody be like that? Before while we were going through the divorce, he made me go to church with him, which was great because throughout our marriage he would never go to church, but as soon as I applied, put the paperwork in for the divorce, he got saved and came home one day and said he was a Christian and he wanted me to go to church, so the first thing was he went to talk to the pastor and we go to church that Sunday and there's an empty seat sitting next to me. And the pastor says, if you have an empty seat next to you, the devil is sitting there and you need to, you know, you need to pray to, to get rid of the devil who is influencing mm. you. And then I was told that I needed an exorcist because I wanted. No, who told you that? Um, my
1: exorcist. <laughs> you needed an exorcist that's a mm-hmm. that's I hadn't heard one like that that's that's a zinger
0: it was just unbelievable and you know I think I had definitely lost touch with my faith because I, I wasn't attending church I, I felt like I couldn't you mm-hmm. know and to be told that I need to have an exorcist was just mind-blowing to me. Especially from someone who had been so hurtful and mean right. through the divorce. Yeah,
1: if you needed an exorcist, I can't imagine what he needed.
0: <laughs> what's what's higher on the Yeah, West? I don't, I don't know. know. I just
1: kind of thought that was it. But but yeah. go back to the flying and monkeys for a minute because that's expression is yeah. interesting. But but that was mentioned in this book. Did you say?
0: There's a couple of expressions that they talk about. They talk about flying monkeys, which is where the abuser uses other people to intimidate or embarrass. So to do their bidding for them, kind of wind them up and let
1: them loose on you. Is this supposed to be a reference to the Wizard of Oz, do you think?
0: You know, that's a good question. I think you're right. Because the witch kind of gets them stirred
1: up and they go drive people crazy.
0: That's right. Yeah. And then the other term in there is gaslighting, making you think you're crazy. And boy, that was, I mean, that was always, you know, I'd say there's no money in the checking account. What happened to it? Well, of course, there's money in the checking account. What did you well, say? it you're looking it on? at me? Yeah. Right. They were common themes throughout the marriage that I hmm. just I didn't know and I didn't see until I read that book. It was it was fascinating. There's so much. I know. Real. It's 21 years of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And uh, so if we take a snapshot now, you've been divorced for maybe four years. That yes. Valid, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I guess you're doing the kind of share the boys situation when when that is the case because they're they're probably out on their own at this stage. They have to be, right? They're out of college. And
0: well, my older two are still in college. My oldest is actually a senior okay. in college. Uh, my middle one is a sophomore. Okay. But then I still have the fourth, okay, fourth grade. So we 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 still share custody. Okay. And so you split months,
1: two weeks, two weeks.
0: We do Friday to Friday every week. Uh, So you switch every every week,
1: week. every other week. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: Every other week. All right. Um, And it's hard. It's gotten better. Again, thankfully, I learned a lot at Laurel House. When we first were doing the drop-off and switch, he would walk in my house without knocking and kind of act like it was his home. Walk around, ask why I had what. Where and where did I get? Yeah, that's all power moves, um,
1: different things like that. Yes,
0: absolutely. You know, I can do
1: this. Look at me. I'm Mm -hmm. doing it right now. Just walk in, steer around, pick something up, put it in a different place.
0: Yes, exactly. Don't be naive, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Do your homework and find out what you're getting into and make sure you have the protections you need in place. I learned from the counselor that I needed always to have an exit strategy mm-hmm. when I was in a room with him. So now, because I do it with all men now, and I, I actually listened to your podcast, uh, I guess it was last week. It was so good. You talked about the fact that it's like 5% of men that are abusers. Yeah, it's
1: very low. It's like 3
0: 4%. It's really low. and. And yet I treat every man as an abuser. Well, yeah, you have to. Um, because Well, I'm you petrified.
1: know, look, if you had uh, in your life, uh, I don't know, one, two, three, four dogs, and they always seem to wind up biting you, then you're going to have an <laughs> attitude about dogs. dogs. You know, all dogs bite. Yes. You, were, yep. you were burned with that relationship so many times over 21 years, plus the dating time. So it's even more than 21. You had had such a course of that, a full course of that, that you have to flinch every time someone raises their hand too quickly, and or somebody snaps at you, or they say something that sounds awful familiar. You have to take it the worst way just to protect yourself.
0: The counselor at Laurel House really encouraged me to date, and I I just still haven't found that to be comfortable. But like when I do find somebody that, okay, I'm willing to go out, they'll say things like, I expect you... To be free next Friday when your son leaves, and that's like a that's a
1: trigger. No go, that's a trigger. Yeah, (laughs) it's like
0: I'm like, wait a minute, no more. I'm out of (laughs) here. Strike one. Strike one. You're out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or if they seem like they can't enjoy a joke or have fun, it's really it concerns me, and I tend to take a, a really big step back. So my kids laugh at me. Uh, They think I should be dating. Of course, he was dating before we were Uh, divorced. And uh, in fact, the ex-mother-in-law came up to me this past summer to tell me about how wonderful a cook this woman is that he's been seeing since before our divorce and how she makes everything perfect. And again, there's those flying monkeys that, you know, somebody trying to to hurt me. Yeah,
1: even mom's going to come in and poke you in the eye.
0: Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but it, it well, it's, I think it's the counselor's point of getting back out there and, and meeting others was good because there are so few people like that. It's just go with your heart, know what you've dealt with. And, and- No, I can
1: see from talking with you though, that you are still with all you've been through positive. One of our previous guests referred to something that he called grade A hopium, which I thought was a- Fabulous term, but he meant that no matter what, he kept thinking, well if i just if I just do the shopping, maybe even more than she does if if I keep the lawnmower and the cars going and everything else, then maybe at some point this thing will turn itself around and maybe it'll be okay. Ruth, I want to thank you so much for coming on and and talking with me and and there's just so much to be recognized from your experiences. There were definitely a lot of clues that when someone listens to this, they would say, oh, why didn't she catch on? But I've talked with so many people over the years and they they don't necessarily catch on. They're they're holding out that it'll get better. And like you said earlier, it's you kind of get through every one of these things, but you don't necessarily get the cumulative effect of it all. And I think that abusers look for people who will put up with it and somebody that they can try things out on. And if you put up with it, This is this relationship is at least working Mm -hmm. for them. And then they'll probably take it up a notch and they'll they'll have this unfortunate behavior more often and they'll do what you might call worse Mm -hmm. things. I mean, just kind of keep it going. And if it goes over the months and years and all that, that's just exactly what they were looking for. But I want to thank you. And I think that that yours is a very special kind of generosity to talk and put a lot of hurtful memories out here. I mean, if we were to count them all, it's, you probably hit 50 or 60 of them and you could, you could keep going had we put more time into this. So, and to do this in a public way, that's a very unselfish thing to do because others will hear this and say, that sounds like what I'm going through or my mom's going through or my daughter or my friend at work or whoever it is. So I just want to thank you so much for stopping your nursing day and all the things that you're trying to get done with your kids and everything and, and talking with us. Just great
0: so much, Bill. I do hope that this helps someone. And I would say, you know, if you have a loved one that's going through this, find them help. You know, there's 800 numbers. Bill, you probably can share that better than I can. There's resources. If an outside person can recognize this and help someone who's going through this, I think, because I couldn't see it. I know my friends saw it. You know, my father certainly saw it. They didn't even know what to do. So seek help and get them help so they don't have to to heal like I'm having to heal now.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I think of it sometimes like somebody who has some persistent Mm -hmm. problem Mm -hmm. physically and everybody's pulling for them. You can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline which is 800-799-SAFE, pretty easy to remember. The only hard part I find is the 799. So it's 800-799-SAFE. You mentioned Laurel House, which is the domestic violence agency that's just outside of Philadelphia. There are domestic violence agencies all over the country. They're in practically every town. So you don't have to go very far to go sit down with a counselor or talk over the phone. If you have feelings about a relationship and it feels uncomfortable, And it sounds anything like what Ruth here today has been talking about. You owe it to yourself to get some advice. And if you have a friend that's going through something, get some advice. You could find out that it's exactly what we're talking about. It may not be every last thing happening the very same way, but you can take these feelings that are uncomfortable to you. And maybe someone will say, look, you don't really see this. You probably don't know a lot about this, but this is a form of domestic violence or dating violence. So many people who are counselors like that have been through it themselves. Either they had it happen to them personally or they had it happen to someone in their family. So most of them are not just book taught.
0: I think if I had gotten that help early on my, in my marriage, I could have put boundaries in place and known to put boundaries in place or how to deal with it. Would it have changed things in the long run? I don't know. Could it possibly have helped? Maybe, but I certainly didn't have the tools I needed to be able to improve the outcome. And so they can help you no matter how you feel, as far as your relationship is concerned. And I love that they have tools and everything is anonymous. And, you know, just as a nurse, HIPAA compliant, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very safe place to talk.
1: Yeah, it's great to have someone you can go and you can say, this happens, this happens. This is how I react. This is how long it's been going on. Here's the frequency. Yep. And they can interpret for you because very few people in your life can interpret yep. domestic violence as yep. it's happening in real time. You know, all mm-hmm. they want is for it to end for you. They don't want their friend to have that problem or be harmed by somebody, and all of that. And you can wish it away. You can try to pray it away, but unless you really know what this this monster is domestic violence monster Mm. then you just kind of keep having it happen and it'll go on as long as you're in that relationship if you don't if you don't take steps so look ruth thank you very much i really appreciate this it's a great thing to meet you and talk with you and i feel like i've really made a friend here today thank you
2: thank you
0: so much Bill. it's been such a pleasure and we definitely need to stay in touch so
1: (laughs) good well then we will good Good. thank you (laughs) thank you the When Dating Hurts podcast is growing steadily. Why is that? Analytics tell us it has to do with relevant content that listeners really want to hear. And in our case, we're talking about your daughters and sons. What could be more important or interesting? Let me thank you for listening in and for asking friends and family to listen too. If you want to reach us, head to whendatingherts.com. Thank you.